chance on here. Pulisic picks up the loose ball and he could be in. Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, 1-0. Quick thinking by Alisson, and if Salah could lift it, still Salah, Salah! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Last year's champions, Manchester City, travel down to the European champions for a rematch of the Champions League final as Manchester City play against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge Saturday at 7.30 in the morning. It's been a bit of a rocky start to the season for Manchester City, uh, so uh, it's really poised this uh, first game to be uh, very interesting, but that's not the only major game going on this weekend. We've also got a North London derby on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. as Arsenal will host Tottenham. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Javier, we're uh, fresh off some League Cup matches. Uh, have you managed to catch the Arsenal uh, goals yet? And uh, how, how are you feeling going to the North London derby? Not yet. No, I haven't. Why don't we start with Chelsea and City? You know, since this, this is a... Uh, we always start with Arsenal. I want to switch things up. You always throw it to me, but... What I wanted to say was, like, I feel like City almost always start the season like this, where rarely do they. I mean, start, they did last year. Yeah, rarely. I don't know about always, but they no, did but last year. They rarely year. start in like in like their best form at the beginning. They usually round off around like December. They'll just get into that like crazy form that they get, and they'll just win like two or three straight months. They've done that like multiple times. It wasn't just last year that they did that. So. I kind of expect them that they're still waiting for like they still having a little bit of the after effects of, you know, a bunch of their players went to the Olympics and they have all of this COVID stuff. They had a bunch of international players that played three international matches, all this stuff. I think now they're getting players. Oh, back. you mean like you mean like every other top team? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. But you, you, you can just stop at the fact that. They usually, you know, take a few weeks, maybe even a month or so I still think to they're gonna get win into the league. full form. All right, that's 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 fine, but uh, they can't really allow this to uh, keep going if they if they they want to win the league because the, the the competition's much better this year. Yeah, but it's evidently but already and, already already at this point in the season, no one's perfect, which to me tells me there's going to be a lot of points dropped by everybody this season. Like it's not just going to be City that falters. Chelsea are going to have periods where you guys are naive and, and lose see, points. United, I, see, I would United, argue, I would argue that so far that, Chelsea and Liverpool are basically as perfect as it can be. We have identical results, and the only time we dropped points was to each other. So, um, yeah, I know I know that's not winning every single one of your first five league games, but if you, if you look at Chelsea's schedule especially – I don't know. I still feel like we're, you know, right on track for where we want to be. Whereas Manchester City going into that Southampton game that they drew last weekend, I uh, don't think we mentioned that yet, uh, but they drew at home against Southampton. And even before that, there was, you know, it wasn't like the perfect season. They obviously opened with the loss at Spurs. And then in the week leading up to that Southampton game, there's this whole non-story that's been turned into a big deal by the British press of Pep Guardiola asking, you know, the home fans to show up against Southampton and, you know, support them more and give them more of a voice. 
And, you know, the British press just, you know, ran with that and said Pep slams fans and all that stuff. So I mean, I'm not saying that's a real controversy, controversy, but it's it, it's something that's distracted from the on-field product a little bit. So, I mean, they, they, they go from scoring six goals in the Champions League at home against RB Leipzig to being shut out by Southampton at home. So the fact of the matter is, you don't know which Manchester City you're going to get this yeah, early in the like, season. Defensively, but my, that my was, guess is that they're going to be ready a, for Saturday. That was a really, really great performance from Southampton, and City had so many chances that, you know, it, it was like kind of a freak of nature day where City should have won that game two or three nil, and you know, the, I don't know about that because they got really lucky with the the overturned Kyle Walker decision. He he got sent off initially for clattering into I can't remember who it was. I think it was Che Adams. And uh, then they went and looked, and it, there was a penalty given or something on the edge of the box. But City were about to play the rest of the game with 10 men, and instead it gets overturned. And I didn't really see what evidence there was for it to be overturned. It's, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, I was about to say maybe it wasn't a red card, but I mean, it, he just slams right into uh, Shea Adams, and he's the last defender as Adams is about to be in on goal. So it's a textbook red card, and it gets overturned. And City, I think, you know, they're not happy with the point, but they, they got a bit of a stroke of luck there to have uh, Walker not be suspended, uh, you know, for perhaps even that Chelsea game. So the, the this Chelsea game on Saturday, I, I'm not underestimating them at all. I know we've beaten them three times already this year, this calendar year, but uh, these are two slightly different teams. We haven't, haven't had to face them with, with Grealish just yet. I don't think they're really that intimidated with coming to the bridge. Yes, we usually beat them or give them a game there, but just earlier this year, I think right around New Year's, uh, under when we were still under Frank Lampard, they came there and beat us 3-1. So it's not somewhere they're unfamiliar with winning, but I think it's going to be a really close game, and I honestly think it, it even ends 1-1 because we still have some problems with teams that can press with organization and especially for a long period of time. And Manchester City are obviously one of the better teams at that in the league, whereas every other team that Chelsea have faced uh, have started well in, in the press, have had a lot of energy and belief in their press. You guys did something similar in the first 10 minutes against us. Tottenham were able to stretch it out yeah, for most I, I, of the first half Pep, last weekend. I kind of think Pep, Pep But eventually we just here. wear teams down. Like I think, I think City, he has to have some sort of game plan that you know, you guys, Tuchel's beaten him three times in 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 what, a calendar what, like year. Like not playing a defensive midfielder. Yeah, I mean, you got to think that he's going to learn from his mistakes and and have some some sort of setup to 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 really get at you guys. Um, and you know, he hasn't played against Romelu Lukaku though, so and that's always going to be we're going to have you know Lukaku against Diaz. That's going to be a uh, a great matchup. It's going to be fun to watch, I'm sure, watching, you know, the the reigning player of the year from last season, you know, playing against Chelsea's new shiny toy. So um, I'm really excited for this game. It's kind of sucks that it's at 730, but it's probably worth waking up for. Oh, yeah, really? You know, if there's a game to, to watch this this weekend, this is one of one of the it's, two. Like I said, it's the the English champions versus the champions of Europe. It's definitely worth waking up for. But I was going to say the thing that kind of tips it in favor of Chelsea, I think. Not only us being at home, but this is like early on in the season. This is a huge week in Manchester City's season. They've got Chelsea away on Saturday, PSG away in the Champions League on Wednesday, and then Liverpool away in the Premier League the following weekend. So 
you know, that's it's it's a real early measuring stick for them that could, you know, give them a big boost of confidence that propels them to winning the league and uh, maybe even the Champions League. Or it can give them a hit that they have to spend the next month or so trying to, to overcome and, you know, get that confidence back and get themselves back into the, the, the title discussion. So um, I, I, there's going to be rotation needed, which, you know, Manchester City are more than capable of doing. But, you know, Chelsea have like a, a away game with Juventus in the, the following midweek, which I think we can probably even rotate a bit for ourselves. It's not as daunting of a set of fixtures for Chelsea at the moment as it's about to be for Manchester City. So I think that enables us to play our full lineup against Manchester City. Uh, N'Golo Kante uh, going to be back in the team after you know being a bench option against Tottenham and coming on and having a borderline man at the match performance. And yeah, adding Lukaku up front is, is going to yeah, be a yeah, huge boost say, to He us. changed the whole game uh, in that Tottenham game. You know, you could tell that it, it, it just wasn't working in the first half. You guys... Chelsea were completely shut down and Tottenham, you know, had the crowd behind them. And uh, you could tell there were a couple of players who were slightly behind the pace, you know, mostly Mason Mount, who he had played in the midweek and Champions League um, against Zenit and wasn't very good in that game. And then followed up with a, 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 a mediocre performance in the first half of this game. Tuchel immediately identifies that and, you know, he Mason's been such an important player for Chelsea, but you know he probably needs a little bit of a rest. He's played a shitload and um, played in the Euros a ton. And during this point in the season, you don't want him playing three games, uh, three games a week. But anyway, he brought brings on N'Golo, and the entire game changed just the moment N'Golo came on. I mean, Tottenham just didn't get a sniff again at at goal. Just really. Chelsea controlled the entire second half and almost, you know, just hit another gear. Um, and it was really scary to watch. Just, I mean, they... Just how easy it was. They won... Well, not, not only that, but you guys won 3-0 and none of your midfielders or strikers scored. Like, I mean, you could have... If, if your midfielders and strikers, you know, were on their, on their bullshit, you guys could have had five, six, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. I've been hearing a lot from, let's just say, social media and other forms of media about the same sort of argument that people make about if uh, Bruno or uh, Ronaldo or like Van Dyke went down uh, for Liverpool or those other players went down for Manchester United. I've been hearing a lot of those arguments focused on Lukaku for Chelsea after his good start to the season where, you know, if Lukaku goes down, Chelsea are screwed. But we've had 12 different goal scorers in all competitions this season. Already. We're five games into the Premier League season, one game into the Champions League, and one game into the League Cup. That's it's not bad, you know. So we, we, our, our defenders were scoring plenty of goals last year. You know, I mean, not that, not that I'm saying you you don't need Lukaku for the whole season, but if we have a, a stretch of games where it's like two weeks with you know no Lukaku, yeah, well, we may drop points in a game or two, but. I don't think we're in like that much trouble. We've got plenty of other very good players in our lineup that we should expect to be able to continue a, a good pace, like even without Lukaku for for a period of time. So I'm having a great time right now. We're also just fresh off a Chelsea win in the Carabao Cup against Villa, uh, where a lot of like the backup players got to play and played pretty well, from what I can see. So uh, I'm I'm optimistic going into this Manchester City game. I'm going to say two one Chelsea. What do you what are you thinking? I'm going to say, I, I, hmm. I, I think City don't lose this game. 
Uh, I was going to predict them to win, but Chelsea are on very good form right now, and I just hyped you guys up with with that second half. So I kind of like your your 1-1 from earlier, so I'll say 1-1. Yeah, I mean, um, I certainly want Chelsea to win just because I want to try and you know have as big of a lead over Manchester City as, as early as possible because that's usually the the method that Chelsea win league titles by get a lead early and just sort of keep people away. We're not, we've never really come from behind in a, in a league season to win the the titles. So, uh, but I can't say I'd be mad with a, with a draw either, but yeah, I'm expecting Manchester city's best. They, they, they usually get up for uh, these big games when their backs are against the wall, especially after a bad result last week. So I was about to say they've been pretty good in the big games. It's like randomly against Southampton or yeah, Villa what or big games this, Norwich this or season. something that they. I mean, the only big game they've had this season I mean, is they beat Leicester. They beat Tottenham. Yeah, okay, right? Leicester. I'll give you, but they lost to Tottenham. Or Leicester, not Tottenham. Yeah, they lost to Tottenham. So, yeah, I think it's a little harder to come to Stamford Bridge than it is to go to uh, Three Point Lane, as we like to call it at Chelsea. By the way, Chelsea have played three games at the new White Hart Lane. We've scored uh, a total of seven goals in those three games and conceded none. I love the new three-point lane. It's great. Thank you, Tottenham. We'll get to them in a second, obviously. But uh, this Manchester United-Aston Villa game Saturday will, for some reason, also be at 7.30 a.m. That's a, that's a new one. Uh, that's kind of weird, yeah. Uh, my uh, my, like my cousin, Connor, who's a United fan, shout out to Connor, he, he was telling me that there's, or telling us that there's some sort of cricket event going on that day nearby. So for public safety, they're, they've pushed the Man United Aston Villa game uh, to the 12.30 p.m. kickoff in England. But it's it's a hell of a game that would have really added to that 10 a.m. time slot. And I'm kind of annoyed that it's going to be on at the same time as the Chelsea and City game because I would have liked to give that one like my undivided attention. But Manchester United are, I wouldn't say reeling, but they've got two losses outside of the Premier League. Today, they lost to West Ham at home. You know, you can't take too much from it because, you know, both teams played a very rotated uh, side for the for the League Cup Villa game. are going to win this game, Alex. You think so? You think they're going to, yeah. they're going to Old Trafford Villa are going to win this game. Yep. What's the score then? And why? I'm going to say I'm going to say 2-1 Aston Villa. Because I think United are... Because Ronaldo scores his customary goal, right? That's what you're saying? Of course. Yeah. Yes, Ronaldo gets his goal, um, but it's because Villa have everybody back. You know, they've been disjointed so far this season, but they've still been good. There's been flashes and and halves of football where you've seen brilliance from them, Um, but they haven't had their full team yet. But I think now that they have Buendia back, Martinez, um, Watkins, Ings, you know, all of their creative and attacking players fit as well as their their backline, who who you know, Matty Cash scored a, a beautiful goal it, l- last weekend. Last weekend, that that three nil that uh, against Everton, you know, it, it was a very even game for for the first you know fifty fifty five minutes of the game, um, and then Villa brought on Leon Bailey, and he completely changed right. the game. He played for twenty minutes before getting injured and having to come off. And he was probably man of the match in that time. So, yeah, very impressive by him. But I do have to add that he's a doubt for this game from that injury. John McGinn is also a doubt. And Matt Target, their left back. So, uh, I mean, a few of those may play, but without all three of them, it it does hamper them uh, pretty significantly, I'd say. If it was a home game like that Everton game was and they had that Villa Park crowd behind them, then... 
I'd probably agree with you, but I, I think that the best they can really aim for in this one is is what I'm going to predict. It's going to be 2-2 because I, I think Solskjaer may be playing 4D chess here. I think by not having a midfield, a good midfield, I'll say, he's kind of jujitsued teams into opening up and attacking them more, which is, you know, at the end of the day, that's all he wants because of all that pace and counterattacking uh, talent that, that United have. It's it's kind of a mindfuck, I think. Like, And, I mean, who knows how long it works for. It may just take like another uh, team of the same level, Chelsea or City or... Liverpool to be able to, you know, control a game better and win midfield more decidedly against them. But against Villa, I, I think it would it would, might be another one of those ones that doesn't seem like a good performance, but, you know, they United still score goals. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll say, I'll agree with you in that it's a positive result for Villa, but I'll probably say 2-2 instead. Also, yeah, I just, I've been watching United recently and they, they haven't been good. Like they haven't been getting good results recently. It's not like these draws and losses they've been having. They've been getting unlucky. You know, they just they've just been well, poor in midfield. Their finishing's been well, bad. Well, we can understand been, both losses. You know, the the draw at Southampton is probably a better one to look at. But the loss at Basel or not Basel, Young Boys. There's the early red card, which you know influences the game for the rest of it say what you want about how they managed it but you know they still had to play the majority of that away in europe with that with 10 men and then this game against west ham today i didn't watch it but you look at the lineups and you can see it's kind of understandable that that team doesn't just mesh together immediately against another pretty good west ham weren't playing their full team either yeah but they, i mean like you can't say like i don't know how you can in united had a bunch of great players out there they still had players like lingard Martial, you know, uh, just a bunch of players that that are that still get a lot of game time with them. Like I don't. Yeah, I mean, West Ham were still starting plenty of decent players as well. Lanzini and Jared Bowen usually see their their first team. Yes, it was a rotated team, but you know, Alphonse Areola. I know he's the backup right now, but he's like he's good enough to be starting. He supposedly he made a great save. I. I'm just saying, like it's it's kind of understanding. They're not excusable. It's Alex. kind of understandable. You said, you said, like, they're reeling, how about this? The Alex. performance is not excusable, but what I'm trying Listen, to say is that United will play like shit in a lot of games, and, they and they'll beat still West win because they, they beat, have that much attacking they talent. Beat, they did beat West Ham, but I think they got kind of lucky in that. No, they didn't. Come on, the they had half, they had they had yes, like multiple penalties half, that weren't given. Okay, in the second half, yes, United deserved to win it overall in the second half. But I was going to say in the first half, West Ham should have scored three goals. Again, this happened again. This happened last season uh, at you know the London Stadium when West Ham should have been up three nil. It was nil nil at halftime, and then United took over and scored. I think like three goals in the second half, and and West Ham got destroyed. But they should have again. They got one goal in the first half, but Ronaldo immediately responded. Um, and that kind of took the wind out of their sails and then United really took over. But that, that first 30, 35 minutes really got, gets me worried because there's a team like Villa, if they're on it, they could score two or three goals in that first half against, against Manchester United, um, away from home and like silence the crowd. Um, I think they have enough talent, Bertrand Traore. I don't know. I I really like Villa right now. I doubt it. You don't think so? Okay. I mean, he played like most of the game today against us. He seems like kind of their impact bench player a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I believe in them. They, I think they can go there and get a draw. But I think a, a win is just going to be just out of their reach this time. 
moving on to the rest of the 10 a.m. games on Saturday, uh, are there any of these you want to hit? I'll just read them out real quick. We have Everton versus Norwich, Leeds hosting West Ham, Leicester hosting Burnley, that should be and a fun Watford one. Newcastle. Leeds, uh, Leeds West Ham should be a fun one. That's probably the one I'll watch. What do you, what do you think's wrong with Leeds at the moment? Because they, they, I don't think they've won a game yet this season. It's not panic time or anything like that, but again, what do you, what do you just think is wrong with them? No wins, three draws. One of those draws was at home against Everton, but they've also drawn with Burnley and Newcastle. So I, I don't really know what to make of them. I think they're relegation candidates this year, to be honest. No, shut the hell up, dude. To start the season, you were talking about them as a team that could possibly, possibly like, push up into that, like, European places. I know, but so far, they've just been dire. They haven't been good. Like, what what do you think it is? Well, their finishing's been bad. They've still been getting a lot of chances, but Bamford hasn't been scoring. Rafinha's been pretty good. Rafinha's probably been their best player so far this season, but... You know, Stuart Dallas isn't isn't putting up the the offensive output he was putting out last year. They don't, you know, they look defensively just as bad as they did last year. And then Phillips looks like he's, you know, he's been good, but he he doesn't look like him like Mason Mount. You know, they played a lot over the summer. He played. He started and played every minute for England. Like, I I, I don't know. I think maybe they might need the way that be the the high energy style that Bielsa plays. They might need a little bit of a period of like this of of like a bad patch where they'll come out of this and, you know, they really need Bamford to start scoring. I think if they don't have that like center forward that's scoring goals, you know, they're always going to struggle. It's not like they've been terrible this season either. So I agree with you that right. like I'll admit they've been a bit unlucky. They've had um, an away game with at Manchester United to start the season that they got pumped in, and then a home game with Liverpool two weeks ago that they lost three 0 So. It's, it's not the easiest start to the season, but I'd be more concerned with the draws against teams like Burnley and Newcastle than I would be those, you know, obliterations they, they suffered to the big sides. But, you know, West Ham going there, I, I think this is... Uh, West Ham obviously aren't on the same exact level as those those big clubs I just mentioned, but in terms of stylistically, the counterattacking and, you know, set-piece focus they have on how they, how they score their goals, I think West Ham are going to slaughter them. I think it's going to be 3-1. 3-1 West Ham. How about yourself? They're just so uh, bad at I'll the back. Like, Mikhail Antonio's coming back after, like, a week of rest, basically. Yeah, but West Ham always, th- like, they, they have shootouts with these types of teams. West Ham I, I never... I think they just handled leads last year, from what I can remember. I remember them just... All right. Yeah. I, yeah. But leads are going to be desperate for a result. Very, very desperate here. All right, we'll see about that. Yeah, you're right. That's definitely the game I'll be focusing on on Saturday morning. Uh, but yeah, just to re-mention some of those other games, Everton hosting Norwich, Leicester hosting Burnley, Watford hosting Newcastle, and then Saturday we'll finish out with a Brentford-Liverpool match at 12.30 p.m. Uh, Brentford are fresh off their uh, first win since that opening day win against Arsenal when they went to Wolves and won 2-0 last weekend. I- I'm liking how Brentford are playing m- mostly defensively this year. Like they-, they-, they still are able to press very well. But uh, this is going to be a complete different kind of animal for them. And if they can sort of hold on for a long period of time and maybe end up losing like 1-0 or something, then I don't think it damages their confidence too much. But it's the kind of game that can undo a lot of the, the good work that's been built on in these first five games there for Brentford. 
So I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm worried for them. I'm definitely worried that they might lose, but it's the manner of defeat that I think they should be more concerned about. They need to show that, you know, them beating Arsenal at home wasn't just Arsenal being terrible. They need to show that their home form can hold up against a title challenger like Liverpool. But Liverpool have, you know, Salah and Mane look like they're back to their their very, very best. They were able to rotate a lot in the Carabao Cup in midweek and still get good performances. Surprise, surprise. Van Dijk's back and and the attacking players start scoring goals again. Yeah, his, his passing we predictably has season. opened up a whole lot of uh, opportunities for them. A whole lot of doors, absolutely. And it's opened it up for, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold's been in the best form of, you know, he didn't play in the last game for, for Liverpool, but... They, you know, they they still beat Palace easily 3-0, a team that had confidence considering they had just beaten Tottenham 3-0. And I thought they might give Liverpool some trouble, but, you know, Liverpool easily handled them, scored some beautiful goals as well. And yeah, I, I think Liverpool can handle them. I think Brentford might need a second crack at it. I think they might have a, a better go when they go to Anfield. But I think that on first welcome to the Premier League, I think Liverpool, you know, beat them 3-1. Three one, okay. I, I, I don't know what you mean. There. I also think Ars- I also think I, I also think Arsenal would have beat them if we'd had our full first team. So, like, I don't think Brent. I think Brentford are good and they belong in. Like, I don't the know. Best they could have drawn like, you still they in the, the first game of the season. They could have still drawn maybe, you. but we'll see. So this I, is a big test. I don't understand like, they, like you said, if the manner of their defeat, you know, and the way they lose, if they put up a good fight, then you know they're the real deal. But if they do get destroyed here. You could see uh, something happening to you know where they they slip up in their form they they become not as good so they really have to be careful here. So I'm sure the crowd will stay. So you're, you're really them, confusing me with this pick. Really good last so time. you're saying three one Liverpool, but three one Liverpool. But you picked one one for Chelsea Manchester City, didn't you? Yes. But that that doesn't make any sense because every Chelsea and Liverpool result has been completely identical this season so you should be going 1-1 are you not aware to this javier every week of this season chelsea and liverpool have had the exact same score line and result yeah well it's not it's happening ending this, this week time, so it's not it's not going to be 2-1 yes. liverpool i'll go with 2-1 liverpool no it's ending this I, week. I say the streak stays alive andrew and i remain joined at the hip uh yeah 2-1 liverpool uh ivan tony i told you he'd get 15 goals at least in the premier league this year he's still only on two but I'm looking at him to score in this game. He's he started off a little slow, but he's about to heat up for everyone to see. So keep an eye on Ivan Tony. Uh, Sunday, 9 a.m., Southampton will host Wolves, uh, and that will be in the build-up to the second biggest game of the weekend, the North London Derby, Sunday at 11.30 a.m., Arsenal hosting Tottenham. Arsenal are coming off two 1-0 wins to start the season after losing their first three games. And Tottenham are coming off two three no losses after right, starting Alex, their season with three one no wins. I don't, I don't no want wins. your question. I, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you some questions right now. Alex. Ooh, ooh. Well, what, ha- what what happened? Two yeah, teams that yeah. Chelsea what own. I get to, to talk uh, about them. My prized possessions. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, um, Elsa, you do not own Arsenal. We, we just have slapped a, we, both your we, teams up easily in the first five games right, well, of the that season. Was our, that was our fr- that was our first loss to you in our last five. Right, we games, just so. slapped you up a little bit. Yeah, just calm held yourself. You up against calm the yourself. Just, <laughs> just slapped you around a little bit. <laughs> but all right, Alex. Remember, you were like, let, let's see how you guys do against Burnley. Well, what's your verdict now, Alex? We played our full first team for two games, got two wins, two clean sheets. Ramsdale started again, like I said he would, and he was monstrous 
again. Um, what, what do you think, Alex? What do you? What's your verdict on Arsenal? Because we all know what I'm going to say. You overcame a significant hurdle, but Tottenham is a different hurdle. I mean, you won't you won't find me hyping up Tottenham. They haven't been great for the last two weeks, from what I've seen. But not even the last two weeks. Even in their first three one nil wins, they were pretty lucky. Like they didn't create that much. They scored one goal from open play, and it was a worldie. So, I, you okay, know, and you have one goal from open play. <laughs> Right, but since we've gotten it was our, tap our in first team Norwich. back, Alex, but we've played, but we've created a lot of chances. Okay, all I'm all I'm going to Tottenham. say to this is that you cannot make the argument like, oh yeah, they haven't looked that good doing it when your two wins have been at home against Norwich one nil and then at Burnley one nil. And like I said, it's still a hurdle that you guys needed to overcome, but I don't think that that just means how, uh, you guys are beating Tottenham at home this weekend. How the Tuchel era started, Alex? I do remember. It was like remember. a nil-nil draw and like a one-nil win, and it didn't look very good. And it took a while for for your games to really for you to really start get going once the did, te- once you had your full didn't team. Take that long. And Tuchel figured it out. Also, uh, those first two games were against like Wolves and Burnley, but then immediately after that, we went on a run of like beating Liverpool, Atletico. Uh, drawing Man United, we had like a tough run of the season. So you don't start actually seeing the results until until you start playing right. the bigger teams. So this, so this would be the first, you know, big quote unquote test. Then Burnley away was a medium level test. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say the the one place I will give you guys the edge in is midfield because you're, you're finally healthy in midfield. Thomas Partey. Maybe he can get a run of games actually starting. I thought it was a pretty ballsy lineup that Arteta played, but it ended up paying off with, you know, sort of five attacking players instead of four with two, like, sitting midfielders. In that Burnley game, he went a little bit more yeah, attacking. Yeah, he played Odegaard which, next which to I don't know, uh, I don't know if he does that against Spurs. Thomas. I'm sure you guys would absolutely, you know, climax if you saw the starting lineup and it was that attacking again next weekend, but... I think it's probably the prudent thing to either play uh, Sambi or Maitland-Niles alongside Partey in that midfield just for a bit more solidity. Because Alex, I hate to break it to you, but there's a, a third option that's most likely going to be starting. Okay. Granite. Shot. <laughs> All right, you're right. Yeah, it's going to be 1-1. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alex, no. Please, Mikel, don't fucking start him, Mikel. Uh, oh, God. Just like, it's been so nice, Alex. He's been banned for the last three games. Three clean sheets. I think I even one said nil, that one last nil, three week. Nil. I was like, you guys are lucky. You like, don't have Shaka right now. Right. He's forced to be There's out. There's no Shaka for three games to like get a red Thank card against Burnley or to concede a penalty I'm, against Norwich. I was literally about to pick you guys and say 1-0. But, yeah, 1-1. He has some sort of dumb like VAR penalty giveaway, and yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels like neither of these teams can have nice things right now. Like all of the luck in London is being funneled towards Chelsea and West Ham at the moment, and you guys are kind of left, you know, fighting for scraps. I think we, I think we have some momentum right now. I mean, with three straight wins, three straight clean sheets. Get the fuck out of here. You know, we hey, focus on no, the Premier League, copy uh, air. We're now, not counting gonna, Wimbledon yes, games. All right, all right. Okay, well, and then, you know, West Brom before that. Yeah, but, but then you lost to City yeah, right okay, after I'll, that. You can beat West Brom 6-0. Sure. No one gives a shit if you lose 5-0 to City the you're next right. week. You're right, you're right. Now, 
the things that I've been touting on this pod the last few weeks of, you know, how, how much of a difference Ramsdale, White, Gabriel, we saw that even more in this game against Burnley because Tomoyasu, uh, he's now, you know, played two full games for us and he's lost one aerial duel. He won every single aerial duel against Burnley, which, again, this is the, the type of thing that Arsenal has, I, I don't, during my time watching as a fan, and I've been watching since 2006, I've never seen Arsenal have a right back who's been this dominant in the air. Sanya was pretty good in the air, but you know there was never a right back. He's basically almost like a Marcus Alonso. He's like six foot two. He can sprint up and down the wing. Hey, I he's gave you that comp. More, <laughs> you did. He's more, but he's much more defensive minded than Marcus. Like he gives you such solidity on that right side. He, he's like a. He's like a combo of Marcus Alonso and Espilicueta, you know, like he's got right. the calmness right, and the there. composure of Espilicueta. That's how good we're, he we're is, okay, Alex. Yeah, we're, and he's, we're pushing he's, it even with the Alonso thing because Tomiyasu doesn't, you know, no, he, no, hasn't, no, he hasn't no. scored yet, you know, got to wait for the goals yeah, to come before we can start. But he will, he will, he will. He starts, he shoots pretty well too. No, you're right. You're right. But, uh, and then on the other side, I think having that balance on the right side, like gives Tierney more of a, a balance on his side and, and lets him get up and down his wing more efficiently. He's had a, he's had a rough start to, to the, the season, though. I know he's been healthy, he but he's not been like at his best yet. No, he hasn't. But again, like I think that once now that we have an established back line and it seems like Ramsdale is going to be our established starting goalkeeper, it just feels like there's more confidence now to the back line. I mean, Chris Wood he didn't have a sniff at home against, you know, usually when he's played against us, he'll get three or four chances. Yeah, hit but the you're bar, not playing against Chris Wood this bully week. our defenders. And I know, I know no, Kane I know, and Son were not good against us, but we absolutely strangled the life out of their will to compete in that game. And that sounds hyperbolic, but it, it, it's really how they felt. it felt in that second half. Kane was dropping into basically defensive midfield to try and get the ball. He, you guys are probably going to win midfield, but I don't think they're going to allow that to happen again. Like Kane's probably going to have to stay much more committed to trying to get on the end of things in, in the box. And they're going to look to I force mean, they're feed gonna it do to what, Son a lot they're more. They're going to do so, what, what, Norwich, what Norwich and Burnley did, which is they're, I'm sure they're going to target but then Ben again, White. Who, Tomiyasu, he did struggle a bit when Cornette came on for Burnley. A little bit of a pacier, uh, you know, more heavily focused on dribbling player. Burnley were able to get a lot of love down their own left wing, you guys' right side. And Son is usually likes to drift out to that side. So I want to see Tomiyasu, a bigger guy, how he handles defensively that, that responsibility more, of Son. That was more because Odegaard was playing at center midfield next to Tomiyasu. No, they on brought that right on side. they brought on Sambi by and then. then they, they you'd switch to a more defensive. No, it's focus. it's when we brought on Maitland Niles that like we were able to like shut that down. So again, I think that like Hopefully he doesn't start Xhaka. I would love to see Maitland Niles start next to Tomas because I think that's a, a mobile um, and and like hard tackling midfield um, that has enough creativity. Um, and then you, we can bring Sambi on if we need or Xhaka as a more defensive option. No more Xhaka. Let's uh, let's just. Uh, yeah, let's I just, mean, I don't a, want Xhaka. Javier, but... you just commit to the idea of no more Xhaka, even though you just signed him to an extension and you know you're going to see it. Just don't leave yourself no, open. Just don't do it. Make him your Ross Barkley. Aubameyang Ob- and Lacazette, Alex, they're they're rounding f- into form. All right, We're, they're going to start score. They've already started scoring goals. 
we're gonna get we're gonna get more goals from them, and they love a North London derby at home. So well, Spurs will have uh, Davids and Sanchez back. I'm gonna say two one, two one Arsenal. Two one, okay. I'll stick to one one. Yeah, because Tottenham are, are in a shitstorm right now. They're not playing well. They've they've they lost. Didn't they? They lost and drew their their two conference league games. They lost in like the cup. No, no, they won on penalties. Yeah, they won on penalties today. today. They drew at Wren last Thursday in their first Europa Conference League game. But Wren are probably the the better team uh, or the best team that they will play in their group in that. So, you know, it's not like the trash that most of the other teams are playing in the Conference League. But, yeah, I, I still think you can't really take form into account for these games. North London Derby... It's, you know, on the day, you usually see it in the first 10 to 15 minutes, which team has the intensity and will to be more snappy with their tackles and get to 50-50 balls first. That usually carries over for the remainder of the game. And though I think you guys go ahead, I I just think Tottenham gets some sort of, you know, luck, like a set piece or a VAR penalty or something that leads to them equalizing and ends 1-1. Um. So there's one more game I just want to hit on real quick. Crystal Palace and Brighton on Monday. Just because Brighton have started the season as sort of the surprise team of the year. They're, I know it's only five games, but they're currently in fourth. They have one loss, which was a couple of weeks ago at home to Everton. But they've beaten Burnley away, Watford at home, uh, Brentford away, and now Leicester at home. And you know, it was kind of a controversial win because of the manner of the, the penalty they uh, they won, but there was a debate that there was a, a foul that Malpe committed that caused Vestergaard to handball uh, to to lead to that first goal for Malpe on a penalty. But you know they they ended up going up two 0 with a, a Welbeck he- header that was eerily similar to the one he scored for Arsenal against Leicester back in 2016 that made you guys think you well, were going to win God. the league. Loves a game against Leicester, uh, and then they held on for for the win. So. Uh, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird game. I'll I'll just say because Brighton last year were a team that played good football, had you know on paper what looked like a really good attacking team, but they just couldn't finish chances and they ended up losing because they they were too wasteful. This season, their expected goals was something yeah. crazy, like fifty nine, but they only had like forty five yeah. goals. Like they had, they were under, they were like by far the team that had the the like the the biggest difference in expected goals and actual goals. But contrast that to this season, they seem a bit better balanced. Cucurella, by the way, man of the match in that Leicester game. Even if you just go back and watch like the the main highlights of that game, Cucurella, the left back from uh, Getafe that we talked about that they signed on deadline day, he was excellent for them. And Lamptey, Terry Clampty, the the right wing back, has you know come back into the team. So the chance to see those two players on either side for Brighton just it 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 makes them a very interesting team to watch because now they may not be as open and attacking and creating as many chances as they were last year but they're far more ruthless this year so we'll see if they can keep that up because this is technically i can't remember if it's officially or unofficially but this is technically like a rivalry game they're right down uh the m5 or whatever the m yeah the m5 from each other from crystal palace to brighton so uh, them going to Palace, where Palace obviously got that win against Tottenham a few weeks ago. I think it's going to be a sneaky, it's be a yeah, tough it's a game sneaky, for Brighton. Sneaky good game. Yeah, sneaky good game. Definitely worth watching. Who would you lean towards? You have to do a pick, uh, a score prediction, but... I don't know. I think I think a, a draw, like a 1-1 or a 1-1 draw I'll ride sounds, with, I'll ride with Brighton a little longer. Graham Potter. 
Maybe expect a, a big step up and a uh, job for him pretty soon. All right, well, let's end things there. Javier, thanks for jumping on this one with me. Uh, looking forward to the North London Derby and uh, Chelsea Manchester City this weekend. You can follow us on social media at JavierRev9 for Javier's Twitter, at ASMoss92 for my Twitter and Instagram, and at GhostGoalPod for the podcast socials. If you're listening on an app, that uh, podcast app that allows you to rate and review the podcast, please go ahead and do so. It uh, enables new listeners to find the pod and we all want to grow the thing. So enjoy the football this weekend. And until next time, see you.